42 degrees, six minutes after the hour. You're listening to KTTR 99.7 FM. This is KTTR St. James Rolla. Paige Hyman is with us today, and uh, you brought a man that we're getting to see quite a bit of these days. Yeah, he's a regular now, right? He's CEO of uh, of Phelps Health, and we see him a lot because there's a lot going Uh on, you know? Yes. No, Jason's gotten really comfortable getting out of the community, getting to know people. Um, So, like I said on our Ask Professional show today, we've got Jason Shinefill, president and CEO of Phelps Health, back again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I guess I haven't messed up too bad if you let me know. No, no, no. You can come in anytime. We'll see how today goes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, Jason, I know a lot of us in the community already kind of know who you are, but just go ahead and give us a a brief breakdown of who you are, what your role here is at Phelps Health, um, how long you've been in your role, and then we'll just go from there. Okay, sure. Um, so yes, I've, I've been with Phelps Health um, for a little over five and a half years. I mm-hmm. previously was a chief operating officer and was recruited here um, to serve in that role. Uh, and and really, I you know my healthcare career started over 27 years ago. Um, I grew up in a small town in southern Iowa much smaller than Rolla, Mm -hmm. Uh, and my career started out in the Navy. I enlisted in the Navy and was a hospital corpsman, Um, and really when I enlisted, I thought, you know, I'd leave this small town and go see the world, and I got all the way to Illinois and ended up there for my entire Navy uh, enlistment. So, Mm -hmm. but that was really, (laughs) yeah, I got real far, Um, and, uh, but really that was, that was where my career started. I ended up, uh, once I got out of the military, spending total about uh, 18 years in Illinois and worked at different hospitals uh, in and around the Chicagoland area, um, really kind of developing my career in um, IT and physician recruitment and then got into operations. Um, and eventually we um, decided to, to, to move to for my career to grow and also Illinois for you know, people in Missouri, you know, hear all the, the woes of Illinois mm-hmm. and it's true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we left for about four years and went to Wyoming and that was where I took on my first chief operating officer role. Um, but really wanted to get back to the Midwest. Um, knew we didn't want to go back to Illinois where my wife's family was from. Um, and healthcare and I was very different where a lot of the towns are very small and they're critical access hospitals. And so I wanted to find um, you know, a thriving health system that offered a lot of services, but still in a rural area. And, and when we found Rolla and Phelps Health, it was it was kind of like my dream opportunity. Um, and I've just really continued to feel that the whole time I've been here. That it's just it's such a unique opportunity to have a health system like this in a community our size. Uh, and just look forward to being able to to see us be successful and provide care to our our community and our patients. So. I love that, Jason. I think that's a perfect segue into your new transition into CEO. So you've been in this role for five months uh-huh. does it feel like five months does it feel longer <laughs> it feels longer I mean it's just I think we you know there's a lot that we've tried to to tackle mm-hmm. early on um, and so I feel like you know we've we've been very busy but also trying to pace ourselves out and not take on too much mm-hmm. at, at one time because you can can get burnt out pretty quick so um, it's it's been a lot but it's been a lot of fun we, I've, I've really enjoyed it and I think our team has has really enjoyed you know the direction mm-hmm. that we're going yeah one of the things that I know um, internally we love that you've done I say this as an employee is the communication so mm-hmm. um, summer she's the executive director of organizational development and learning and she has sent out weekly memos on a consistent basis Mm -hmm. ever since you started this position and she shared with us the other day she's done 40 memos for you yes that's wild yeah no every week we send out a communication and and some weeks just when things come up we we send out an Mm -hmm. additional update Um, but we try to time it to where it's consistent Mm -hmm. that it comes out on Thursday or Friday every week Um, and as I've gotten out and talked to employees or I get usually every week I get a a handful of responses just people very appreciative that we're keeping them informed of what's going on Uh, they they just 
like the transparency. They feel like it's mm -hmm. you know helping build some trust between uh, staff and administration because uh, we're keeping them in the know and, and very transparent about what we're working on, what our mm -hmm. challenges are, and, and where we're going as an organization. Is that something that you foresee um, the executive team continuing to do into 2022, or is there ever going to be a point where you say, we don't need to do weekly memos? You know, I think right now I, I see it as something that we need to continue to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't I don't see a need to change that, but you know, we're always evaluating. You know, if I start to get mm -hmm. feedback of, well, this is too much, or you know, we're tired of hearing from you. Tired of hearing. <laughs> I from don't me think or you'll whatever. get that. Um, but I think for the foreseeable future, I see that as something that um, you know, there's not a need to change it. Mm -hmm. I think it's been a good thing and, and received very positively. So I, that's something I want to keep us keep going on. Yeah, I think so too. So as an organization, something that um, your team has also started to do is highlight senior leadership so that we kind of get to know who you guys are. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times um, we, we think about, and this is going to be a little taboo whenever I say this, we think about C-suite as the ivory tower. Mm -hmm. So you guys have um, really taken a stab at dismantling that ivory tower feel. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that and some of the highlights that you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's, there's several things we're trying to do. One is... Um, Rounding, which is is very common in healthcare, it's, you know, it's been attempted um, many places over my career. I've seen where it's worked well. I've seen where it's not worked well. Um, and I think that you know, we one of the things that we've done to make it more successful is we've really reserved the first two hours of our day that mm -hmm. that's really to, to not be in meetings, to not schedule time that conflicts with us being able to be out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say our my entire team has really embraced taking that opportunity to get out, talk to staff. Um, and even get outside of the, the hospital main campus. We've invested a lot of time going out to um, our outlying areas. Mm -hmm. um, we have you know, locations in Vienna, St. James, Salem, mm -hmm. Waynesville. Uh, we have the, the Bond Building, uh, Home Health. Um, you even have houses. <laughs> yes, we have houses. Um, you know, so really trying to get out um, and, and talk to people and, and just start to build a relationship because I think if, if there's not a relationship there, you can't gain trust. And if there's not trust, you can't really change mm -hmm. the culture and, and change um, the way that we operate as an organization. I love that. So we're going to jump around a little bit. I sure. know I gave you an outline, but you no, talked about culture. So I, I want to just dive right into that. So over the past five months and um, really the larger part of 2021, our culture has changed a lot. What kind of necessi necessitated the need for us to have a new culture? Well, I think what necessitated it was, um, you know, really if, if we're not all marching in the same direction, mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a lot of problems that, that come up and, you know, just... A lot of times you, you spend time solving issues that don't need to exist when, when mm -hmm. you have a poor culture. And so trying to create a culture where, one, we, we have more ways of, of getting feedback, um, enabling uh, employees to, to reach out to us, to communicate with us, share what the challenges are so we can actually address them and fix them. Um, but again, you know, trying to empower people to, to make decisions at the most appropriate level, the, the level that's closest to the patients. And I think that that's, that's really important to get the right changes made. Um, I think sometimes in, in large organizations like ours, uh, if the decisions are made at too high of a level or where you're too far away from where the impact is, uh, a lot of times you, you don't always make the best decisions or the right decisions, and so it, it adversely affects the staff. Uh, mm -hmm. And so really just, you know, getting decisions level, decisions made at the right level, it helps build that trust, it helps open up communication. Um, and I think once we do that, then it really impacts the way that we deliver patient care, the way that we uh, know what our challenges are, and the way that we make changes mm -hmm. that at the end of the day helps us deliver better quality care. A couple of the things you continue to mention are trust and transparency. Mm -hmm. Whenever you were kind of deciding, okay, we need to 
alter our value set to better fit the future of where the organization is going. How did you decide on trust and transparency? Um, I think, you know, I, I think really I've just learned over my career. So, you know, I, as I mentioned, I got into healthcare when I was, when I was pretty young in, in the military. And, and I think I was 21 when I had my first mm -hmm. team of about 20 people. And so, and through my career, I've, I've led different teams. And I think what I've always come back to is, is that the better you can build the trust and the transparency of what's going on as a leader, um, the more likely that team's going to follow where you, where you need them to go. And so I think that being in the CEO role, I just felt that those are the two things that were most important, that if, mm -hmm. if we're going to go in a certain direction, whatever that is, the only way that we're going to get the whole organization moving there mm -hmm. is if there's that trust and transparency. So part of the things that you guys have done are some new activities, groups, committees. You guys have been really busy the last five months. Uh -huh. Let's just talk about some of those new um, committees and groups that you have established to help create a new culture of health. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the groups, uh, actual committees that we created, which we just met with them for the third time um, last night, was our Employee Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. Um, we identified, we, we actually asked people to submit letters of interest if they wanted to participate with kind of criteria what we're trying to accomplish. We had nearly 100 people um, submit that and we narrowed it down to about a group of 30 uh, and really tried to pick people from all across the organization at all different levels mm -hmm. of the organization and um, really taking to them issues that, that we know exist they really directly impact employees. Mm -hmm. And to get their feedback, um, to have them really be advocates out in the organization that, um, for instance, we're talking about our, our time off policy and, and how we do that. And so for them to have an opportunity to go out to their teams and people that they work with and, and ask, you know, what, what would better look like? Mm -hmm. um, and for them to bring that back to us. And, and we've actually been working through our policy on that and, and um, talking to them a lot about that. Uh, we've also talked about how we do appreciation and recognition, uh, have some great ideas, and, and I think we're pretty close to, uh, you know, within the next month or two, looking at a new program that we can launch that everyone feels pretty excited about. Uh, and so that's, that's a really powerful group that we mm -hmm. meet with every month. Um, we've also focused a lot on um, doing town halls. Mm -hmm. uh, so every quarter, uh, Carrie Haven, uh, who's been on the show recently too, our CNO, COO, uh, and I, we put together a presentation and we go out every quarter and, and update the organization on what we're doing. Uh, we know that we can't get every employee to there just because it's not possible, but if we can get, um, you know, several hundred employees over, I think we do close to 30 different town halls over mm -hmm. the month. Um, to come and then kind of share with with their mm -hmm. with their uh, co co-workers what's going on um, that really helps spread the the news of what we're doing and it also goes back to that trust and transparency that they're hearing it directly from us they're getting mm -hmm. to see us in person um, and also kind of see who we are I mean I'm I'm pretty laid back. I have a pretty good sense of humor, and I think people. You'd like to that think that, right? I, I think so. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it just gets the people to know mm -hmm. that you know, see us in person, and know that we're mm -hmm. we're human like them, and and we're here to really be a support. Mm -hmm for the organization. Yeah, it makes me laugh um, whenever you say we're human like them. I think about People Magazine. Uh -huh. um, celebrities are people too. Right, right. <laughs> uh, one of the things you mentioned I think is really cool. You were talking about whenever you go to these quarterly town halls and you do this rounding, you share um, organizational updates, which is really awesome. So one of the organizational updates that you've already been sharing is the new strategic plan. And mm -hmm. I know that that's not officially approved by the board, yep. but what can you tell us about that? Well, I think, you know, we've been working on a strategic plan with our board of trustees um, 
since really we started in, in September. So, uh, you know, just a, a month into my, my role. And um, really the, the need to do that was me being new in the role, making sure that what I saw as a vision aligned with our board. Because uh, mm -hmm. if, if we're not aligned, then that's not good. So we really wanted to make sure that we went through and, and made sure that our mission, vision, and values are aligned, uh, that our organizational priorities are aligned. And so we've really spent uh, the last uh, September, October, and November working through that. Uh, and then my plan is this month at our December board meeting is taking that document that really we've all worked together on, but giving them the finished um, product um, and saying, okay, are we in agreement and can we uh, adopt this as our mm -hmm. future strategic plan? And it's just really important. I mean, um, we have a five member board uh, that several of the board members uh, weren't around on the board when we mm -hmm. did our last strategic plan. So it, it's important to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction. Uh, and then once we get it approved, um, we'll start communicating that out to the organization, um, helping them know, you know, this is the direction we're going and what are the goals that we need to achieve uh, in order to be successful. Um, as an organization going forward. So when do you think the finalized strategic plan is gonna be shared? Do you think it'll be sometime in December or do we need to have you back here in January to talk? Um, I think, you know, <laughs> probably January would be a good time, uh -huh. time frame to, to look at that. Um, you know, again, uh, in anticipation that we get a, a plan approved in December, um, come back after the holidays and mm -hmm. uh, into the new year and, and really we'll start sharing that with the organization and the community as, mm -hmm. as a whole. So. Yeah, we'll go into it optimistic, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> we won't be realist with right. it. So one of the other things that has often come up whenever you um, do these EAC committee meetings, so the Employee Advisory Council, you kind of mentioned this earlier, um, compensation and also pay time off. So compensation recently increased at Phelps Health. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that for all of our listeners and kind of the reasoning behind that. Yeah, so really when we, you know, started looking at compensation, it, it really started with, we had a lot of areas that we were just having a hard time recruiting. Mm -hmm. um, and even if we were successful at recruiting people in, we had some departments that were at 70, close to 80% turnover rate within the first year. And when we started to analyze our compensation, um, you know, the market has changed a lot. Um, during COVID, um, a lot of employers were, what I would say are, are entry level jobs. Um, a lot of employers that we compete against had, had already increased their minimum wage, and we really felt like we needed to do something to, to change that. And so we did increase our minimum wage to, to $15 an hour, and uh, feel like that that's, that has made a change. Um, you know, we, we also looked at uh, existing employees and, and tried to make adjustments mm -hmm. um, to make sure that um, we were competitive across the entire organization. Uh, but again, kind of our, our focus on our people, uh, that was really one of the first things that we felt like we had to get right. Mm -hmm. um, because if we weren't able to attract people because we were not competitive with compensation or it was, if it was too easy for people to leave somewhere else and make two, three, four dollars more an hour, um, we were never going to be successful at, mm -hmm. at building our team. So we felt like that was really a huge priority to take on um, at the beginning. Now that you guys have kind of addressed pay disparities across the organization, is this a one and done or is this something that you guys are going to continue to evaluate on um, like a consistent annual type of basis? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, compensation is something that you really need to be paying attention to mm -hmm. always. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's, I think the market's going to continue to change. Um, I don't think, um, you know, I've seen organizations continue to raise their, their minimum wage, and I, I don't think that that's sustainable long-term, mm -hmm. but I think it's something that we have to continually monitor um, and, and make sure that, you know, as, 
as we go forward that we don't fall behind um, mm -hmm. because you know when we're experiencing high turnover and, and especially entry-level roles um, but even other roles that were affected um, it, it just makes it hard to be successful if you're constantly bringing in new people and you don't have that longevity yeah absolutely so we're gonna take a second and talk about something that everybody is really tired of hearing uh -huh. COVID-19 uh -huh. <laughs> so what's the state of COVID-19 admissions at Phelps Health right now because I know that there's a lot going on yes yes no, we've seen over the last few weeks, we have seen our admissions uh, creep back up. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a chance to check this morning, but yesterday I think we were around 31 um, admitted patients. Um, and that's that's up from uh, probably a couple months ago or even a few weeks ago, we were down in the single digits. And usually when we're you know under 10 uh, admitted patients with COVID, um, that helps overall as a staff um, and, and as far as workload and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, but we're also still seeing, you know, overall since it's high, and I think that's that's kind of a ripple effect of COVID that a lot of people have kind of put off other uh, wellness around chronic conditions that they have, and so now people are coming in even sicker even if they don't have COVID. So when you combine mm -hmm. that together, um, and it, it does seem to be somewhat cyclical, uh, it seems like every three months we kind of have this ramp mm -hmm. up and then it kind of tapers off. But we're, we're at another high right now um, as far as admissions for COVID and overall mm -hmm. census, which... Uh, makes it stressful for staff because it's you know it's um, just challenging and, and people get stretched. But uh, you know we're constantly looking at you know staffing and, and how do we take mm -hmm. care of the people that, that need us. Yeah, Jason, that was going to be one of my next questions too. Is how is the staff handling this because we're entering continual waves, right? And right. we don't really see this ending in the future. So how do we prepare for this? Continue to know that this is coming down the funnel. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that that I've really seen in the last few months. Um, and we've tried to really pay more attention to is just the emotional toll that it's taken mm -hmm. on staff um, because you know it's healthcare, especially at the, the front lines and with patient care it, it takes an emotional toll on people especially when you lose patients and uh, see patients struggle and family struggle just mm -hmm. emotionally it takes a toll and so we have tried to do some things to help people with with coping with that and, and how to manage those emotions um, but when we go through these cycles and it mm -hmm. comes back you know the census goes back up um, you can see it on their faces. You can you can feel it when you talk to them that um, it it is it is hard emotionally. And mm -hmm. but the the amazing thing with it is just the resiliency of of our staff to continue to provide great care. And um, I commend them for that. Mm -hmm. And you know you know that they're dealing with a lot um, from the emotional toll of work, but they continue to give 110 percent. And uh, I just I. I'm always amazed at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they keep showing up every day, right? Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of people, I think, don't recognize that with healthcare because we're all so tired of COVID mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of people have just gone back to living their normal lives, but mm -hmm. we often forget the people who are on the front lines of this. Right. Yeah, right. great point. Um, one more question about COVID and then we'll move on to something else. Okay. So MHA, I read this morning, um, the vaccine mandate from Missouri is still on hold. Mm -hmm. What does this mean for Phelps Health employees? Do we have any knowledge that we know that's coming down the funnel with us? Well, actually, there. Um, so there's there's a couple of deadlines as it goes through the court process, and I think when I came a week or so ago, I explained you know I'm not an attorney, uh -huh. so I'll probably use the wrong terminology. But, <laughs> that I hope um, you're not listening. Yeah. Um, but I, there was a there was a deadline uh, where they were going to review um, information from from the federal government, um, and that came and went, and it didn't change the the outcome mm -hmm. of, of the mandate, so it's still on hold. Um, there's a process where in March or April time frame, um, there'll be more 
uh, another look at this from a legal standpoint, um, and it could be either overturned at that point or it could maintain. Um, and then the final piece will come um, probably, I think it's August or September, um, in which uh, if they say it stays or if there's anything that changes, they'll have kind of the final ruling on that at that point. So um, it's one of those things, just kind of wait and see. Um, mm -hmm. I think the one thing that's interesting that I've read is um, if it was to get overturned, the, the concern in, in the healthcare side of things is that the, the ruling would be effect immediately. And so we don't really know what immediately means. Does it mean that mm -hmm. we have time to get in compliance? Or, or will you find mean, out tomorrow? <laughs> right, right. So I think there's, there's key deadlines. You know, I think right now, um, I'm not worried about anything changing until March or mm -hmm. April. Um, but then when that time frame comes, we'll start to really watch again. Um, and if it stays at that point that they haven't overturned it, then we'll watch again mm -hmm. August, September for that final phase. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of pay attention to mm -hmm. it. But So let's talk about some things that are changing at Phelps Health. Mm -hmm. So there is a ton of construction and growth continuing to happen across the organization. Um, do we have any major initiatives that people can be on the lookout for in 2022? Um, I would say... <clears throat> You know, the, the things that are most visible are actually things that we're kind of starting to wrap mm -hmm. up. We've, we've uh, redid our sterile processing department, which mm -hmm. was, um, I think the last time that that was done was back in the 80s. And, wow. Um, and it's one of those that it's, it's a hard project to, you know, we, we actually have two locations where we do sterile processing. Mm -hmm. um, but you really need both of them because, you know, if, if a piece of equipment's down in one, you have some redundancy. Um, but we really needed to, to take that on and update it to really improve our efficiencies and, and make it so that we could turn over equipment as quickly as we needed to. And so that's a huge project that, um, you know, doesn't get a lot of people excited, but it, you know, when it comes down to patient care and making sure that we're doing everything as safely as possible, uh, it's one that I'm really excited to see that we, we can kind of check off that it's, it's been taken care of. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of projects that happened, um, over the recent years, uh, you know, we did the cath lab, we updated our MRI to a 3T MRI. Um, as of right now, there's there's not any major ones that I see. You know, we um, are always trying to look at, you know, it's probably more of a, of a chance for us to even take and just do a facelift on some of our, our existing mm -hmm. areas that just need, whether it's fresh paint or new lighting and stuff like that, and, mm -hmm. and really just try to make our environment as comfortable as possible for, for patients when they come in for care. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see that as probably, it's, it's not going to be major construction, yeah. um, but we do have, you know, there's, there's one big project that we're waiting on. Um, that we'd love to get going, and that's our inpatient infusion. Um, and it's really, it's in the, the main hospital, but we have outpatients that come up and get infusions. And we've had that project um, ready to go for, um, it's probably been about a year and a half or, mm -hmm. or more. Um, but with COVID, um, it, it does shut down a whole wing of, of beds that we, mm -hmm. we currently use, especially when we see these peaks. Um, and so that's one that uh, if we can ever see like a consistent low, low census to where, you know, we feel like we could take, you know, six months to shut down that unit mm -hmm. and get that done. I'd love to get that done because I think it would be uh, a huge asset to, to those patients that come in and mm -hmm. utilize that service. Yeah, our fingers are crossed that yes. we're hopefully at the end of COVID as we enter another surge, right? Yeah. Um, we've got just a minute left, and there's something we didn't touch on that I would love to do, and I'm uh, totally going to put you on the spot with us. Okay. Tell us some fun facts about yourself. So we know Jason, the CEO, mm -hmm. but one of the things we've been doing for the marketing department are these leadership spotlights, and you shared some really fun stuff with us. Share that with our listeners. I, I think it really just kind of humanizes what you do and who you are. Okay. Um, I'll have to remember what I told you guys. But, you, know, you can tell us something new. 
<laughs> you know, I think I think the the main thing with me is, you know, when I when I'm not at work, I mean, mm-hmm. we we live just north of town. We have about 30 acres and I love, I mean, we have some cows, we have some horses, mm-hmm. you know, we have a little bit of land to... Hobby farmer. Hobby farmer. <laughs> um, and, you know, for me, it just kind of takes me back to the way I grew up as a kid. I grew up in, in a rural farming community. And, you know, for me to, to share that with my kids and my family and to, to really mm-hmm. get away from, you know, the, the day-to-day work I do, which I love, but mm-hmm. it's just something totally different that I don't think most people realize that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm really more of a kind of country boy at heart than, yeah. you know, than a, a white-collar mm-hmm. professional. Yeah, than the so. slacks you're wearing today. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you also wear jeans. That's right. All right, Jason, thanks so much for being here today. It's, it's always a pleasure. I think Lee will have you back. Okay. <laughs> so to learn more about Phelps Health or if you missed part of this show and would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org. Thanks so much. Thank you.